Welcome to Industry Thought Leader Podcast. Stand out, be heard, influence. Want to influence real change with your message while become known as an authority in your field? Industry Thought Leader Podcast will show you how. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Welcome to another episode of Industry Thought Leader Podcast, brought to you by Industry Thought Leader Academy. Stand out, be heard, influence. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, also known as the Podcasting Queen. Now, joining me on today's show is Eric Z. Zhang. And Eric, he is the founder of Lead Next Gen, as well as a virtual summit expert. Just can't wait to dive into today's topic. Now, he is born and raised in Paris, and Eric built his first six-figure business at the age of 20 by hosting in-person conferences for leaders and entrepreneurs under 30, and he dropped out of school right after that. But you know what? He hated how unscalable in-person conferences were. So, what he did was he hosted a couple of virtual summits, and his virtual or first virtual virtual summit results have been crazy. Now, what he does today is Eric partners with six and seven figure companies and influencers to build their virtual summits that systematically generate peak authority and leads to their business, to their business generating business, while also, of course, teaching young entrepreneurs how to get paid to learn from industry experts. Now, Eric is not holding back. He has said, I will answer all questions, even practical ones. So, if you do happen to be joining us live today, please leave your comments and questions in the comment and I'll I'll bring those into today's show. But specifically today, Eric is going to help us know how to get paid to grow our authority, our email list and community with virtual summits, strategies to self-fund virtual summits through sponsorship, as well as the seven benefits of hosting virtual summits for our business. Welcome to the show, Eric. Wow. Thank you so much for this introduction, Anne-Marie. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, look, we are now in a, a in a situation worldwide where virtual summits are definitely being talk, talked about. In person summits and conferences and events uh, for many countries. I know here in Australia, where I am based, we are not allowed to meet with uh, you know more than I think. Well, actually, my state, we're in lockdown again for the second time. But virtual summits, from what you've experienced, have really generated some incredible uh, results. So, just take us back to the first time. What what made you – well, I, we know what made you. you. You kind of thought, I can't scale in-person events. So, when you started doing your first virtual summits, were, were they kind of familiar? Were people talking or, or was it quite a, a, a steep learning curve for you? Take us back to that first virtual event you did. Right. That's a great question. The question is like, how was experience for myself and for the speakers and attendees when they first came across uh, the virtual summit I hosted back in 2017? So the easiest way for people to understand what a virtual summit is, if you have never heard of them or if you never attended one, is basically taking a webinar on steroids, where instead of having one speaker or one expert sharing a one-hour lesson, you have 10, 20, 50, uh, 50s even sometimes, similar to an in-person conference where if there was a workshop for two hours instead of having one speaker, when, when you go to a free day in conference, you have like many experts talking about the same theme that are going to be here to deliver a lot of value. So when I first brought up like what a virtual summit was to some speakers, because they're kind of familiar with digital marketing, 
they already knew what a virtual summit was, but for some of them who weren't that familiar, uh, when they explained to me like, hey, like, what do you need me to prepare? Like, I would say nothing. Like, it is like a podcast interview, but with your video, I'd be asking the business questions so you don't have to prepare anything besides the fact that you're about to be interviewed on this specific topic. And then I'll be recorded. And all the virtual summits, if not almost all of my virtual summits are pre-recorded. Some people might think that all virtual summits are quite tough to pull off and to plan, which can be if you make it live, where each speaker like is back to back to back, like an in-person conference. But you can make your life easier by, first of all, saying to the attendees that the virtual summit will be pre-recorded to make it easier for them to be able to rewatch sessions, to make it easier for yourself, to be able to get the best speakers. Because when you have a speaker that you really want and his schedule is not as flexible as yours, well, you have to make yours flexible to get him or her on your virtual summit. Uh, when I got like this 35 entrepreneurs on the 35, my first virtual summit, I had roughly 1,000 attendees to sign up for my virtual summit. And I did not spend any money on advertising. Like it was purely word of mouth, speaker promotion, nor that I even forced them to do it. And I remember like generating literally up to 15 times more profit than my in-person conference to, and putting this off twice as fast as I did planning for my in-person wow. conference again. So when you say, you know, you you generated so many more results and we know what it's like just to organize, you know, a two-hour workshop to imagine <laughs> to bring together, you know, people. There's so many logistics. And I mean, there's obviously things to organize behind the scenes for on in person, uh, online too. But the beautiful thing about um online summits, of course, is that logistics doesn't matter as far as audience is concerned. You know, people can participate around the world. What were some of the ways that you were able to then monetize because that's what that's what what businesses are going to be thinking. All right, Eric, if we put together mm-hmm. a virtual a summit, do we charge entry fee or do we monetize it on the back end? What are some of the monetization strategies associated with this? Great, great question. And those are like one of the seven things, right? We talk about the benefits of hosting a virtual summit. One being the revenue. Obviously, like if you don't get revenue from your business, then you don't have a business. You have a hobby around business themes, right? So there's many way to generate money uh, and revenue is either you do it upfront, on a back end, or both, right? So like a normal funnel, uh, let's say it is a free virtual summit. So with the benefits of free as opposed to paid, which is on the tongue of many people's questions, is like, should I make my virtual summit free or paid? Like, which one makes the most sense? Well, the question is, again, like, what are your goals for yourself? Like any project, you need to know where you're going so they can reverse engineer your goals into actionable steps. Well, if you go to build an email list and build off authority and to have the most amount of eyeballs listening to you and your speakers, then free is the way to go. Mm. Like, you know, this when it's like a free lead magnet, a free webinar has like much more chances for you of filling those seats as opposed to if it was a free or paid event or paid webinar. And the, the math is just here. Like, would you rather have 500 people who pay you $97 upfront or would you have a free summit and have the potential of having like free five, 10,000 attendees watching you for free and then being able to upsell them to another product in the future, right? Yes. Because when you have 10,000 attendees, even though they got a free ticket, and I air quote this if you can't see it, uh, it's because 
even though they might not buy from you now, they might buy you from in the future. But because you have the emails, you're able to track them. And maybe even not within this year, but two years or three or five years later, because you still have the emails, they might have just click with the content that you have published, whether it's on your social media or your newsletter, or even like promote someone else's product. You'll be able to track them because you actually were able to get their emails. Free summit doesn't mean that the entire event is free per se, because the business model that I use is freemium business model, where it is free, where you can watch all recordings and sessions for 24 hours on each day. And let's say you have 30 speakers on a three-day events. Well, you can have and dissect your days into 10 people session and be able to watch each day for free as much as you want. But nobody really has 10 hours in a day to watch recordings. Mm -hmm. But some people might just walk away with one or two main sessions and be like, oh, this session is so great. I would love to rewatch it again. And being able to do that, you offer what I call a all-access pass. What is the all-access pass? Is basically the uh, all the sessions bundled, bundled together uh, with some bonuses. And some bonuses are basically like blueprints, script, templates, uh, action guide, a checklist, all the things that allows you to apply all the things that were taught on the virtual summit. And the best way for you to understand what makes the bonus so valuable is when you give content, you share what to do, right? Like, hey, uh, let's use something concrete. Airbnb, right? We did an Airbnb summit. Like, hey, this is how you make money on Airbnb. Like, what kind of house you should look for? What kind of landlord should you negotiate with? What kind of furniture you have? And what kind of system you need to have on the back end to be able to manage your businesses, right? I can teach you all the things about the what, like what to do, but it doesn't mean that you know how to do it. Yes. And the bonuses actually help you actionable, uh, actionize all the what into the how. And this is what people were like actually buy the bundle. Most of the time, not because of the content itself, but because of support bonuses that you offer on top of it. Yeah, brilliant. And what I am hearing as you're explaining that, and I'm, I'm going to, to mention this in case anyone's missed it, to put together a summit, you really need to have an overall, well, what's the outcome that I'm looking for? And then integrate the various components that's that really create the strategy around that. And I think at the moment we're sitting in a, in a situation where many organisations, um, even from, you know, small SMEs right through to even larger businesses are still waiting and seeing what's the, you know, the economy going to do uh, as people are still, you know, quite um, uncertain about what the future holds. So now is a really great time to start to build databases, build relationships with people around the world that you can continue to nurture um, so when things do and they will, you know, start to, to rise again that you've gotten your brand name, your awareness and obviously positioned yourself as a trusted authority. So I think even mm -hmm. the free or the freemium, as you've explained, where you sell on those recordings and add incredible valuable bonuses is, is obviously a really good strategy to put into place. Let's talk about one of the things that this is always one of the things that people say to me, oh, I'm not going to do podcasts and because technology is uh, too overwhelming. I'm sure people are thinking, Eric, yes, love that, but is technology going to be a barrier that we need to overcome? What are some tech, you know, tech tools that you've used? Um, let's talk through some of those just to give a bit of awareness around that. 
So I've done the homework where I literally tried literally almost every SaaS around virtual summit that exists to see like what your competition and market offers on top of using the typical uh, funnel builders that we know of like ClickFunnels, Kajabi, Kartra, and the whole nine yards. Like what I found is there's not a lot of things that virtual summit SaaS, like softwares that help you build a virtual summit offers that all the softwares like Kartra, ClickFunnels doesn't offer as well. Because the truth is like, ultimately, like at the end of the day, what do you need of, to create a virtual summit is you need a host to ask the questions, so AKA the content. You need to have a way for you to grab the email list, so it's like a CRM, and you need to have the website that allows you to deliver the content. Fundamentally, those are the three things you need. And after obviously you can get fancy, you can do live streaming, you can do like network extensions, all of that. but I haven't seen a software that is so fundamentally so good that you need a virtual summit SaaS on top of a normal, uh, you know, digital marketing SaaS that we use for digital marketers. So my answer to you is there are some good softwares out there. Uh, the best ones I've seen were uh, HeySummits.com. Uh, they're do it, not doing a bad job with it. Uh, there's also Hopin.to, which is a SaaS a little bit more expensive than virtual uh, than Hey Summits, uh, which offers you the ability to create networking rooms live, which is a great feature. When I look at the cost of where you're hosting these sessions, where you are depending on, on two different software, the cost really adds up. So my best thing is if you use Kajabi, Kartra, or ClickFunnels, you can 100% build your virtual summit on it without needing extra any softwares. Um, yes. What I have done is I used WordPress in the past and I shift to Kartra full time and I just launched a entire virtual summit from A to Z on Kartra, which offers like all the things I need, such as CRM, membership sites, affiliate tracking, uh, be able to give people the software codes and all those kind of things. You don't need to complete yourself because if you don't, if you're not tech savvy, you can hire someone who is, and those people are not as expensive as you think they would. So people often ask me like, how much does it cost tech wise to host a virtual summit? And I will say to them, if you don't have any tech experience, uh, it might cost you like top, top, top. If you hire someone to build like a basic funnel for you on a virtual summit software that you're familiar with, maybe like 500 to a thousand US dollars top. And I've done mine like, from A to Z, like by myself, without any experience on my first virtual summit, with less than 300 US dollars. So it's yeah. not that expensive if you obviously know how to be resourceful. Yeah. And and with uh, the, the tools that you mentioned and keeping it really simple, of, of course, and I think simple is so much better. I mean, you can overwhelm yourself with all the tech and the details. I think we need to be really organized and have a lot of the things created already, like the email set up and all of that. And then if we're pre-recording all of the uh, videos and, and things like that, we're making sure that they're, you know, published at the times and, and things like that. And of course, we're going to share with everybody at the end, of today's uh, episode, how they can get a hold of you, because one of the things that I'm a firm believer in is don't reinvent the wheel yourself. You're not an expert in the organisation of uh, virtual summits, and I'm sure you have gone and made all of the mistakes so that we certainly don't need uh, to do that as well. So that's a little bit about the tech. Thank you for sharing that uh, with us. So it's not scary at all, and, and really it sounds like what's the budget that you have, what's your outcome, and let's work within that, because mm -hmm. one of the things I noticed 
to be true too. When you do a virtual summit and your audience really resonates beautifully with it and you think, you know what, we want to we want to start to use this as an annual strategy whatever, or maybe even biannual, then you can look at, well, now, Eric, we, we want to ramp it up. What can we integrate now and mm. leverage as we're building this? And then you can just add the layers on as you continue to to relaunch that. Let's talk about something else that uh, I know that you've probably done and you can share some insights for us. That is around how to self-fund because we've talked about mm. some of the expenses. Maybe we don't have to, to fund that ourselves but rather gather some sponsors around who can participate and collaborate and, and certainly sponsor that. What are some ways that you've perhaps done that we can perhaps look at doing as well? This is not a great question. And going back to your initial question, like how do you make money, right? A lot of people going back to this question of free summit or pay summit, obviously you can have much more eyeballs which uh, on a free summit than a pay summit, which is obviously much more easy and attractive to a sponsor to say like, hey, I have potentially 5,000 attendees on a virtual event as opposed to, hey, I have 500 paid attendees to a virtual summit. Uh, so again, like this is why we frame it as a free summit being better. And even though it might look or feel scary, it is not because you actually get your expenses covered by the sponsor and you're able to be profitable before the event even starts while being able to grow your revenue by making free is really powerful. So going back to your question, how do you raise sponsorship? So the whole question again is, what makes your event different from other people's events? Because there's two school of thoughts of how to plan a virtual summit. And this might be David, a little bit from your initial question, but this is really important. So I, would, well, I want to make sure that people who are listening to this, who are interested to host a virtual summit, understand this principle, which is, is your summit, virtual summit, closer to being a virtual summit that is a series of podcast interviews or a virtual summit that's closer to a masterclass type of content. What mm. you mean by that is like a podcast, like you know, I'm Mary, there are some people who record sessions and even though you might have an overall theme, one interview doesn't necessarily lead to the other or you listening to one interview doesn't allow you to understand better what someone else does on the next session. And every session are independent from one another, even though they might have an overall theme, bringing them tied together, which is you, the host, and the theme of this podcast. But this doesn't make the audience feel nor sometimes want to watch other sessions because there are things that people might miss, which is normal. But when you actually frame it as a masterclass, which is treating a virtual summit as if it was a course crowdsource through other people's expertise on one theme, then that changes the game. Why? Because like, of course, you have a uh, linear way to get someone through the journey of a customer from A to Z, where someone who doesn't understand exactly how to do some things, that'll be covered by another speaker. And not every session will be independent from another. Every session will be inter-independent from another, where if you miss one, it's okay. But if you have totally no idea how to do something, then every session will lead you to understand the next one better. This is actually going back to the question of what will someone buy from you? Well, if you have a course and you only watch one or two sessions, they won't want to buy the whole bundle, right? Yeah. So going to the sponsor side is going back to what we talk about Airbnb, like, cool, well, you know what to do and know how to do it. But do you have the tools or the software to allow you to do those things well? And this is where the sponsors come in, where... You basically promote tools and softwares or people that you know you trust, you know that people will need or actually make their lives easier. And those sponsors 
they already paid so much money to put their product in front of other people's eyes. But if there was a way for them to be in the center of a virtual summit by being basically like paying for access, pay to win, be able like, hey, doing this whole summit, like you learn how to do A from Z on one specific theme. And the sponsor actually allows you to skip the line or bridge the gap even faster because here's what the software does. Not yeah. only are the people indoctrinated about what, what you teach is so important and so powerful, but the software adds sprinkles on top, which is like the special unicorn powder where it's like, hey, if you use my content and from what the speakers are taught and use the softwares that, by the way, you got a discount form uh, because the sponsor is really generous and you get paid to promote them, but you believe in them because you have used them otherwise. Well, you're going to get sponsorship money because it just makes sense for you. It makes sense for the audience. It makes sense for the sponsor. Everyone's winning here. And in average, uh, we've raised 25,000 US dollars per virtual summit. And with that in mind, some people might think, well, do I need a big email list? My answer is no. Like if you got your messaging right, your offer right, your customer journey right, uh, actually most of our sponsors uh, didn't care that we have any, any like uh, pre-existing email list because most of my clients when I first work with them uh, 10 of them did not have an email list but raised an average 20,000 US dollars because we were able to sell the vision as opposed to what we're having and obviously if you don't deliver well we'll give you a refund but we always try to deliver it in the most and we try to make things work and this is how we raise sponsorship money I mean, brilliant um, that you've just, you know, as you've mentioned that, Eric, and I'd, I'd imagine that uh, just the, the fact alone where people can um, bring different voices to, to obviously the virtual summit is fabulous. However, as you've said, if you are able to, from a, a holistic point of view, look at all of those individual speakers as adding value and, and, you know, this speaker adds value to this and this and this, and then it becomes one big masterclass, what you're doing then is you're increasing creating an environment where all of the attendees are encouraged to attend every single one because it's building a block now. You know, if you think of this too, imagine if you, and you probably have already done this yourself, but imagine if you had some gamification things, I think that's the right terms, and then people who attended, there was a, um, you know, something that they um, had to participate in to show that they had attended all of these and at the end of, uh, you know, the all of the sessions, one person was to win a scholarship or something like that, that could also encourage participation. You know, there's a lot of things that can be done uh, within that, um, which I, I love. And I mean, if you think about what's happening now in the world, where many conferences, I think in the US, there are thousands or were thousands of conferences running across the US every single day. Now, mm. each of those conferences and events have sponsors, booth holders and so forth. Those platforms are no longer available for those companies who have got budgets, obviously, to be able to, um, that they were going to invest in that area. Now, what better way to invest in an online, you know, summit where their audience is there to participate in in an you know an environment where they they're hungry, they need that information and that sponsor. I'd imagine too that sometimes those sponsors 
can also get an opportunity to speak, to share a little bit about the platform, how it can work, how they can leverage it. So, um, you know, really another benefit as well. I see it as a real win-win-win for everyone, um, even more so that the audience can be even greater than if you were just, you know, in location uh, in one's place. So, we've talked already about or you've shared already about a number of the different benefits altogether, but re let's recap them. Let's finish this off powerfully. I can't see. I mean, I was convinced anyway before. Uh, I, I did a virtual summit years ago. What was it called now? Um, breaking the glass ceiling or smashing the glass ceiling summit it was. Uh, I tell you what, it was it was something else to be organised. So <laughs> then there were no people to help organise. We had to do it ourselves. And I, I think the, the years, I think I needed a few years in between before I thought I'm never going to do that one again. Mm. So, what are the seven benefits? Let's recap them. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I would love to piggyback on what you just said, which is uh, sponsors, right? You don't need to educate sponsors on the benefit of sponsoring because I've done it so many times already. You just need to sell them on the benefit of sponsoring you, right? And there's a so much easier conversation than trying to persuade someone to know a sponsor, but then sponsor you, right? Uh, sponsors love to sponsor. Speakers love to speak. Uh, and I've never paid for any speaker throughout my entire life. Uh, 500 plus speakers across all our summits, not pay once, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we got a CEO of Century 21 as a speaker that we co reach out to with an email list of zero. We didn't pay for him uh, because we saw the, the attributes of, hey, how much will you pay to get in front of 2,000 idea of your customers? Well, a lot of money. Well, let me do that work easier for you. Like, would you like to speak in front of them for free? And this is like how you frame it, right? A lot of people undersell themselves and, but you have to think about the value you bring on the table as well. And that is, is really important for you to remind like, hey, you do like three, four months of work when they just show up maybe in the underwear uh, underneath it. You have no idea, but they look good on top. And they show up for half an hour to talking for 2,000 people that you actually work your ass off to get them on the room. This is a huge benefit to them. So don't undersell yourself if you were to do it, right? So going back to the seven benefits, uh, we talked about one. Being revenue is a huge revenue generator. Uh, the second one is authority, right? Like when you invite 10, 20, 30 plus experts around industry, even if you're not known, those speakers are known. Or even if they're not known, because you never know who you don't know. Like some people might think like, wow, I didn't know these people were actually famous or big within this industry. And you're able to grow your authority through osmosis, which is what I call the media effect where you don't need to be the one who's famous. You just need to be the one who interviews the famous people. And you will grow, you grow fame through osmosis because people associate them with you. Um, and this is like the same thing with podcasts, right? Tim Ferriss podcast, where he interviews like billionaires and big artists, but he wasn't someone big before. But now he's even bigger than the brands that he brings on his podcast because he was able to build his authority through other people's fame and uh, trust. So when you do that, you're putting your face at a centerpiece of 30 plus experts and you grow your trust. And when you do sell something, well, guess who someone's going to be buying from? Not the speakers, but you, because you were the only constant throughout all the sessions. So authority being second. Third is obviously the email list, right? Like you build a community, you build an email list. Uh, I am, in my personal opinion, there's no better way for you to mind blown someone with value, with content, with authority and trust in a virtual summit. Because what are the other options? You either, on, on, we'll talk about free, right? 
Uh, you have a lead magnet, a PDF, which is cool. Uh, you maybe have a checklist, which is cool, a webinar, which is cool. But if you give someone 20 to 30 hours of content on a specific theme, tagging someone's exact problems and be able to deliver the exact solution they need, like for free, if they don't want to pay, they can. Like talk about building trust and giving value up front, right? So the email list is going to be engaged. They're going to love you. And people who don't, at least they got a taste of who you are and your personality. Like your personality will shine throughout the interviews, which is something that you can't really portray or show on a webinar funnel or on a checklist. So be able to give this human-to-human approach is really powerful, especially on the sales where people don't buy the product anymore. They buy from you and what you can do for them. And they have to trust you first. So email list being uh, the third one. The fourth one, and feel free, by the way, and married to come out whenever you want to go deeper into something, right? Uh, so the fourth one is being able to uh, build your speaking engagement gigs because I don't know if has, I'm sure this happened to you, and Mary, but when you interview someone, people who listen to you, especially you being with a speaker, and they might be like thinking like, oh, wow, and Mary or whoever the host is like, you spoke so well. But when you actually dissect the content, you the only time you spoke was when you introduced someone and when you asked the questions, right? But I, I trust me, like it happens to every single one of our hosts is when you host, people invite you to speak on other people's podcasts or show or events because you invite so many speakers and someone's going to associate you with the speakers and you're going to get so many more speaking gigs, like free speaking gigs, pay speaking gigs. Those things will come to business. So if you want to speak, host the speaking platform, which will allow you to train only like uh, stages over the speakers and host events, uh, coordinators, but you also be able to be invited to speak. So speaking gigs being the fourth one. The fifth one is uh, building your business lead gen. Uh, once again, like this goes a little bit with the email side, but you being able to upsell your course, your mastermind, your, your product uh, during or after the virtual summit. And this is a good way for you to also like pre-sell a beta course to an audience to see if the course or the product is something that they want. Because when you have a pool of 500, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 ideal customers, if you put your offer out there and nobody buys, then you have time for you to revisit this idea of thinking like, wow, this thing is actually not something that people want. So you're going to readjust and maybe like offer a different type of beta test pre-sell to your course and programs. And then those things going to be like working because the people you sell to, they actually are your ideal customers and being able to not guess within your own head, but be able to see what the market is responding to is really powerful. Yes. So that's the, five, the thing thing. The sixth thing is build your network, which is something you talked earlier, uh, Anne-Marie. When you invite speakers, you are basically to rub shoulders with industry giants or people who are trusted. If you were to come into a room and be like, hey guys, my name is Eric. And they'd be like, okay, cool, you're cool. Uh, what do you have? Well, I have a course. Everybody has a course or something like that, right? But if you come to a room, it's like, hey guys, I have a platform where I can feature you in front of 2,000 ideal audiences that you would dream of getting and they're dying to learn from you. You have something that not a lot of people have, which is a platform that allows you to shine and, and broadcast lights onto someone's work. Like a podcast uh, is really powerful to be able to invite people. And because now they're emotionally invested in you, they want to know how to, you can be supported by them. So you're going to be invited by, into like masterminds, to like the courses, you're going to be offered different types of services. And this has countlessly happened to me and my clients where 
it opens doors to you because you have a platform or a master key that is not owned by a lot of entrepreneurs out there. Uh, yeah. So that's the sixth one, the network. And the seventh one is my favorite one here. You are able to treat every single session as if it was a one-hour VIP session with your dream guest. What, what do I mean by that? The best interviews and the best sessions are the ones that you need the most. When, let's say, you are in the service industry and you're, like, let's say, in the beauty industry and you interview someone who is really good at Facebook ads, well, you can ask this person who is an expert at Facebook ads all the selfish questions that you have about your own business, about how you can use Facebook ads to grow your business. And you can invite and interview the best of the best of in this industry and be able to ask your selfish question that you have so that they can help you uh, grow and, and, and fix your problems and while also broadcasting this solution, not only to yourself, but to your audience. And I know that I will have needed to pay like $5,000 or $10,000 for one hour session with some speakers because I frame it under the, this idea of being an interview. Uh, I was able to ask them the questions I wanted and then thinking, thanking me for <laughs> inviting them on my show. Yeah. So this allows you to have virtual mentors you can reach out to at any time and get straight sessions at the right time, at the wrong moment, and they get paid to learn because your audience pays you to get access to this content. So those are the seven things I talk about. I don't want to rush a little bit through it, yeah. but no, it's, it's great. Yeah, I think that's valuable because, you know, it's seven reasons why, uh, again, all and adds value to everything that we've already spoken about. So one of the things that you mentioned, you know, about imagine having 30 hours, so you mentioned an hour. So I'm assuming you, you're the ones that have worked really well for you have been about an hour long. Is, is that right? 30 minutes to an hour? What's the, the time frame of interview, best interview? Yeah, there are some great interviews that last three hours and there are some shady interviews that last half an hour, right? And the opposite is true. As long as you're clear on what is interview session is going to be about, mm -hmm. if it goes beyond that purpose, then it's time for you to stop. Whether it's 20 minutes or 40 hours in one session, as long as you believe it's going to be valuable for the audience, it is mm -hmm. going to be valuable. There's no a good timeline, but if you had to have one, I would say half an hour to 45 minutes is most of the time enough for someone to be able to deliver deep, valuable content. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned 30, 30, is 30 a good number of people to be on a, like 10 each day or what, what sort of um, on, around kind of average that you've seen right. from the ones you've done? Uh, I would say for Virtual Summit, more than 12, less than 30, especially if it is your first Virtual Summit. Don't mm. kill yourself with content. Don't kill yourself with coordination and management, but have enough to be attractive to the eyes of the attendees who will come to your events. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think if you're talking about from a masterclass aspect, and I, you know, obviously today uh, we're, to, we're talking on the uh, you know, the podcast industry thought leader. So these people are wanting to build their reputation as those trusted authorities. So, um, you know, you might say if you're doing it um, over, a, say, a three-day is to, to divide the number but have value so that every day, you know, each speaker adds value to to what each one's saying and then each day builds on as, as well. So similarly to... Let the interview be as long as it needs to be to deliver value and to dive deep enough that people walk away and think, my goodness, that was valuable. Similarly with the number of people. You don't want a people stack, do you? And mm. just have 
people talking for the sake of uh, uh, of talking as well. Did you find that with the sponsorships that some, most most virtual events allow the spe- the the sponsors to have a bit of a um, uh, an interview or a bit of a profile feature for them too? Or typically it was like you know this summit is brought to you by X Y and Z. What kind of is right. the- so nobody is allowed to sell unless they have been given authorization to. And the only people that we authorize are the sponsors, which is yeah. like, hey, pay to, to speak. No, pay to get on stage, on our virtual stage, right? Mm-hmm. And we have different tiers, like just four tiers. Uh, the most basic one is uh, bronze, which is like basically you have your logo up there, but you have no like speaking spots. Silver is you have a speaking spot and your logo. Goal is we're actually going to run ads with your face next to high-profile entrepreneurs so that your face can be associated with those high-profile people, uh, high people. And the the ultimate one is the platinum one, which is like, hey, we're going to put your brand underneath our logo. So it's going to be like, hey, Crypto Virtual Summit brought to you by platinum sponsor. So that their brand is going to be always for a X amount of time, which is like six months to a year, associated with our brand so that whenever we are mentioned, they're going to be mentioned because that's the logo. That's the brand, right? And people will think that, wow, you the platinum, the platinum sponsor created the event and we give them the impression of it. It's like, hey, it was actually them who finds the whole operation because technically yes. it is true. And the most we ever raised from one sponsor on a virtual a sponsor uh, event uh, was uh, a sponsor gave us 45,000 US dollars to be that platinum sponsor. Oh, wow. Amazing. And can you recall how many people attended? Uh, 4,400. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? When you think about that, I mean, that in itself I think is fantastic because it really shows that sponsors are invested, get the right message across the right audience. They really can can see the value, which, um, you know, the current situation that we're in, well, actually I think moving forward now people are going to realise the benefits uh, even more so of niched audience. So one other question that I had too about around um, you mentioned something and I thought, oh, I must ask you on that. You said no one is allowed to sell unless they've been authorised. So with the speakers, did you then um, say to them what you could offer is is it not a gift or something to grow their list? Or what, what did that look like for the speaker's point of view? Yeah. Uh, some people might be put off. It's like, oh, I'm giving my time for free. Like, why would you uh, not be allowed to sell? Well, first of all, you want to be protective of your own audience. You want to be your event to be a pitch fest because people will be like, what the hell? It's free, but I don't like it, right? Like, mm-hmm. you want to make sure you're protective of your own audience. Uh, once again, the perspective I gave earlier is, well, how much will you spend to get in front of those people? A lot of money. And the third thing is like, hey, if you don't want to speak, that's fine. I got a thousand other people who love to speak for free. So, but you're not doing that while you're losing in front of your competition. So, uh, if they don't really want us pay or they want to speak, that's fine. Like, like you also don't want to be people who are always like so money focused upfront because they don't understand the value of being able to connect and be able to add value to a potential super connector in this industry. So mm-hmm. uh, you being able to understand, like sit within your own power and value and realize that if someone doesn't want to pay or doesn't, or doesn't want to speak unless they get uh, the option to, to pitch, then maybe not the best hard partnership for you to have within your industry or your own community, right? Um, going back to your other question, which was, 
which was pitching. Sorry, I forgot the question. Yeah, no. So, so with the speakers, obviously they they need to lead with value, and yeah. we don't want it to be a pitch fest. And I think if you know if speakers are still thinking that the object of the game is is to get on the stage and pitch, I oh, think yeah. those days are well and truly gone. <laughs> Whether so, you like it or not, you know, we, we really. So, so do you we do we encourage them to say, well, look, I'm happy for you if you've got a free gift. Yes. That's going to add even more value. How do they access that? That that's what you have. Yeah. Got it. So the way we do it is we add it actually on the bonuses. Uh, we stack the bonuses. Uh, so that when people buy recordings, only do get my bonuses, but they get the speakers' free bonuses. But we're like, hey, the value of this bonus is like $47, but it's free for you if you buy the, the Oxys Pass. And then from this bonus, if there's like a lead way for them to capture emails, uh, we allow that. But yeah. them sending hard on something, no. But them having an email that, that's practical and valuable on top of having a call to action to jump on a phone call with you or subscribe to an email list or a product, that we allow. Yeah. But we only give it to the people who pay for it because uh, the logic for us is we only want to send qualified leads to our uh, speakers. Mm-hmm. But also uh, the flip side is you don't want to give access to email list to speakers to your entire email list. Right. Yeah. So it's a way for you to protect yourself, but also give value to the speakers from this perspective. And I love the way that you've mentioned that, that the people that, so in other words, you encourage all of the speakers to put something that is worth value again within the bonus package. And then that bonus package is given then to the people who invest in a ticket. Now, the people who invest in a ticket have often, obviously, more investment into that and they've actually paid. So in other words, the people who will then come across to the speakers, you know, gift that has been given, are more likely then um, to be a high, higher value client or higher prospect because they've actually parted with with their dollars. I like that because I, I think it's all around the giving value and mm. then um, the, the fact that, you know, public exposure in front of so many more people that you may not have been able to reach out to is certainly, uh, certainly, certainly valuable. What would you say as we finish off uh, are some of the, the key mistakes just so that people are aware of, you know, they may think, oh, I'd love to do this or maybe, you know, some of the other people who are doing uh, summits online, they, we need to not do that anymore because it's no mm. longer relevant. Obviously, Pitch Fest, no, no. Selling virtually? No, no, no. That's definitely a no. What are some other no's? Don't do this. There's two main things that, that I often tell people. Uh, one, just because you're a virtual summit, even though that has become almost the norm now, doesn't mean that your virtual summit will be profitable. There's, like you said, don't invent the wheel, but there's a system behind making sure the summit is actually valuable to the people, not just like a general like uh, lead gen for you. And people now, they'll getting smarter and smarter, like when they smell that they can pitch to you, they're going to be sold to you, they're not going to trust you, right? Mm-hmm. And you, once again, going back to what we talked earlier, the, the journey of a customer and attendee that goes through your virtual summit is important. You understanding what's the intention, what the pain point, and the solution they can bring on the table allows them to then discover like, hey, if this is what this person gives me for free, like I wonder what amazing things this person would do for my business and my life if I were to pay him or her. So yes. being able to do that, give value up front, and you will be rewarded for it. Not only to the attendees, but treat the speakers correctly, which is leading to my second point, where so many people beg speakers or force speakers to promote. I never do that. I always try to be self, 
uh, sufficient with marketing. And obviously, I, I offer that to speakers like, hey, I appreciate your session. If you want to share that to your audience, I'll give you a feel link. But if you don't want to do it, I'm fine with it. I'll take a promotion for you. And I think a lot of speakers, especially when I started back in 2017, uh, a lot of high-profile speakers, they were tricked into getting invited to a virtual summit. And then the host bombarded them with emails saying like, hey, now you are on the summit, you have to promote. And this is an amazing way for you to destroy any relationship or future partnership with people who can have helped you to get into rooms that you want to be in. But because you were greedy or you were too upfront without actually even being transparent over the intention of you getting them on the summit yes. actually destroys your potential of doing business with anyone because, you know, like words like that travel fast in this industry that is especially not that big or as big as you think it was. So which is like the sponsorship strategy where you actually use the sponsorship money to invest into the ads. So you have to ask speakers to promote allows mm -hmm. you to add value to them make the speakers happy, make the sponsor happy, make the attendees happy because you don't make anyone become a sponsor and only a sponsor can promote, then you build this ecosystem of transparency and value. And something that I realized is that my first time at, I had a thousand people, I made 9K, 9,000 US dollars in profit, which is you know a, a good amount, but not as much as I wanted. But on the back end, three speakers hired me at a 25,000 US dollars price point to work with me because I was able to treat them the way I like to be treated. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, like this is how business works. Like you might make money, but not in a way that you think you were, you were going to make money. So yeah. being able to do those two things, which is one, once again, just because you have a virtual summit doesn't mean it will be profitable. Learn from someone, don't invent the wheel and follow the guideline. And then when you have done it once or twice, add your own touch to it. That's my advice number one. Second thing is, treat speakers correctly and don't force them to promote and be the one that basically create the wish, the event you wish you had and treat everyone the way that you want to be treated. Yeah, I love that. You know, as you you, you said there uh, around really building that relationship with the the speakers, one of the things that I love about what you've said is reinvest or invest the monies from the sponsorships into advertising, because what happens is then is you get a, you get a, a clean list. Because how many times um, you know do speakers uh, are they they kind of all know one another, eh? and if 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 the 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 viewer or the potential participant is on multiple multiple is all of a sudden they're bombarded with, hey, come to this. And, um, and and I think you really can dirty the waters, muddy the waters, if that's the right term to, to use. One question I do have, you know, say, for instance, you're the, you're the organiser of uh, the summit and obviously what you're saying, a freemium model, people can attend for free, but if they want to get all access to the recordings, they're able to pay for that. Do you... Um, Obviously, if, if the speakers are not um, contributing any of, of their list or so forth, the, that funds that you generate from the sale of those tickets, the upsell tickets, that's then the organizers, isn't it? You don't kind of share Correct. that with the speakers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's also like a really common misconception, Anne-Marie, is that the revenue generated from your summit is yours. Uh, in some way that when you have uh, someone in a podcast, me giving content to your audience, right? Like I don't expect getting a profit share of your months because it doesn't make sense. Uh, the same principle applies on a virtual event because it is really close to a podcast format where you do the work as a host. I do my work as a as a contributor of content, and mm -hmm. it's the same people who resume my message come to me. Then you know, like maybe we can talk about it, but I don't expect you to pay me 
because I give you content. And, and the 100% of profit is yours if you don't have any other business partners or, uh, or stuff like that. Maybe you can negotiate with a sponsor of the, hey, I'll give you $20,000 to give me like, you know, those leads and also maybe like a percentage of sales. That yeah. is fair because they have invested financially into you. But, yeah, but, yeah. but the speakers, you no. Know, yeah. One other question that I have. Uh, this is really interesting. Shoot. I love yeah, it. Of course. Thank you so much. So, so you know, we, this has almost become a masterclass in and of itself. Um, just to give people a, a, an, an indication, and I know that this is again what how long is a piece of string. But typically, if we were going to do a say a three day summit and we had you know mm. great great speakers, what is the lead time that we should allow in our calendars? to successfully, um, you know, get this going? I mean, what typically is your time frame? So uh, two-part answer is, one, are you going to have sponsor or not? Because sponsors, the way that they operate, especially at a corporate high level, is they have a dedicated sponsorship budget for each quarter, right? If you ask Michelle to them mid-quarter one, they won't be able to allocate those budget until quarter two or quarter three. So it takes you between two to three months to, from the time you reach out to them to actually, uh, you know, unfreeze the funds into your bank accounts. That takes a longer uh, time frame. So which is why, like when we work with a client, we said to them like, hey, uh, we can do a summit in 45 days, which we have done. But because we want to focus on building relationship and sponsorship deals for you, we'll work with you for four to five months to make sure that you can actually use that fund to marketing, right? Mm. So, Part one, sponsorship, 45 months. Or what you can do is do it the way we do it is you reach out to sponsors. It's like, hey, we can do it now. Give back to us later, which is often the, what they're going to say. You launch a virtual summit in 90 days, which is something that we recommend to people. And then you relaunch it 90 days later, reaching out to the sponsor, you reach out on one round one, being able to not only do that, but show them metrics and data and information of how your summit performed and now you have a much stronger case because now you have the social proof, you have the testimonials, you have the attendees, you have the reviews, and also you can show them that the funnel is working, right? It's yeah. much easier for them to trust you, but also be able to start a conversation before anything happens to show that not only do you follow through your words, but your actions are actually backed by your words. Yeah. And that is a really strong case. And the, the, the last thing I would say like for that sponsorship part uh, and Mary is, if a sponsor doesn't sponsor you, you can always ask like, hey, uh, do you know any companies or other people who might be interested to speaking for 2,000 people or 5,000 people? And sponsor will sometimes refer you to the right people. And this is how we close like 20, 30K deals. Like sponsor wasn't great fit because financially doesn't make sense for them, but they have someone else they often do business with on the agency level and they paid my clients 30K and it was a perfect fit, and they still work together now after two years. Yeah, I, I can see, you know, especially moving forward with people now being so much more au fait and um, realise that what they can tap into expert-wise and the fact that they don't have to travel across, although some people, they do like the face-to-face -face networking. Mm. I think, you know, virtual summers, it may even be uh, something that you may do annually. You know, you you may look at developing some real key alliances with your speakers because that's opportunities too, you know, that you can work together. I'm kind of mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out my calendar. So, on that, Amir, sorry to call you out, but virtual summer is something you can launch every month. Yeah. Actually, because you have the other content already, you have the funnel built already. It can be evergreen. So we have actually summits that are launched every day 
Meaning that once someone signs up on a date, it starts with them two days later, and the whole automated sequences make them feel as if it was live. We'll tell them it's pre-recorded summit, but experience it is like a live summit. Yeah. So uh, you're using it also as an ever evergreen. So in other words, you may have one summit that is um, a obviously you might have the 30 speakers, but then you kind of um, continue to release with new people coming in. Yes. Is that what you're, you're like? You're doing batches, like you have uh, 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, where you keep the best interviews and you actually survey the people, like, hey, which interview you like the most, which one you like the least, and you periodically take out the, the worst, right? And yeah. review with new sponsors, new speakers, and the data backs up because then you have like not 5,000 people, but when you said people like, hey, I have an event that actually gets 1,000 new people every month. Like you get yeah. 9,000, 10,000, and the sponsor gets happy because they don't sponsor one event. They sponsor you six months, and maybe there's 10 events within this time frame, right? So they, like sponsors, when they sponsor, they sponsor only one event at an in-person conference. But when it's virtual, it has the potential to be relaunched all the time, which makes yeah. you, the host, happy because you get new leads every single time and new funding every time. And you can have like a 2.0 wave of sponsorship where, hey guys, it was 5K before, but that's 15K because we got more credibility and audience, uh, yeah. you know, customer base. Yeah, and you know, for for if I if you think about uh, many of the ways that people are now connecting online, an integrated approach is one that I always share with people. You know, if they're putting a podcast platform together, integrate it with the things that you're doing. Now, imagine from um, uh, someone's positioning for a sponsor to say that you've got this summit and it's an evergreen continuing to build, and then we also have a podcast. You mm-hmm. know. Of live stream across all different platforms too. The the reach that you could potentially, you know, the promise of value to to a new, uh, you know, to a sponsor is incredible. I mean, my goodness, um, I don't think I will be sleeping tonight. I've been. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to finish with this, and Mary, like sponsor for podcast, sponsor for virtual summit. But when you have a virtual summit, like you said, people want to meet up, right? A question I always get asked is, like, should I do a virtual summit or should I do in-person events? Like, oh, you know, like the face-to-face approach. Of course, like that's one of the like the, the cons of a virtual summit. But one of the pros is you being able to connect with people around the world, which is something an in-person conference can have. So the question is not like, should I do an in-person event or a virtual event? And I say both if you can. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Please sell your in-person conference from the people who attend your virtual summit exactly. because the odds of someone liking your in-person conference after attending your in-person uh, new virtual event is super high. Yeah. You can have a trifecta of sponsorship with like events for online, in-person, and podcasts. And this is how you build a tribe because you know this if you host in, uh, in-person workshop is where do people hang out after or in between events? They have no place. But you're having a virtual space where people can hang out, meet in person, and virtually go back, hang out again, while having a podcast that monitors them content every week. That yeah. allows you to be always yeah. giving them content and people to be able to connect it with on a constant and daily basis. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Add to that the conference, the in-person conference. You blend in people that are not yet clients with your existing yes. clients. You might tack on a mastermind for the clients and stuff. And you get the two in the room, those clients who work with you and are getting great results could just be what, um, you know, you, you may launch to – 
My goodness, yeah. We <laughs> have on strategy, amazing. I've, I've loved this. Thank you so much, Eric. It's been uh, an absolute pleasure. I featured uh, you. We, we've turned this into a masterclass in and of itself. Now, please uh, share with people, how do they reach out to you? What's the best uh, way for them to connect? So uh, I have a website called Lean Exchange, which is my virtual summit agency. Uh, you can follow me at yangeric20 on Instagram. I also have a book on how to launch a virtual summit uh, on Amazon called the Virtual Summit Launch Formula. And uh, yeah, just uh, let me know and reach out to me uh, via Instagram. If you have any questions about virtual summits? And obviously, like this talk that I have with you, Ed Mary, like I'm sure like spark a lot of ideas for you, but I'm sure for your audience as well. And the last thing I wanted to leave you guys with is virtual summits is not new. It has been here for a long time. It is even more of an actual, uh, like, a, like, a, like, a, like a thing right now because of COVID-19. And it will not stop after it. It's just sparked even more momentum. And I will say that the podcast uh, train is still real. But if you started like five, 10 years earlier, like just imagine how big you would have been, right? The same thing with Virtual Summit. If you start early, you'd be able to build a solid customer fan base, which allows you to do amazing things in the future. Yeah. Do you know that you said that I started podcasting back in 2008? Like, mm. Audio in 2005, but what you said then, sometimes you just got to go out there and do it. And you start off with an audience of one, uh, you know, not that you would be able to start off, you'd certainly start off with a, a much bigger audience when you're doing virtual summits. But as business owners, you've got to think of long term, we've got to think of long term strategy and building. And because every time we are sharing our message and we do that consistently and we do that with real value you are going to stand out from everybody else, especially I you know the people who are going to be, who are listening and, and watching to this because they, they are, they're experts, they're specialists already, poised uh, as, as thought leaders, trusted authorities. And, you know, when you create a platform, you know, whether it be a podcast or, or, or in this instance, a virtual summit, and you are the host, you are the consistent, there's just something that elevates your profile. Because as you said, which is so true, you are the conduit that brings Brings all of these people together, and um, you know that that's powerful. You know that's priceless. And, and get the right strategy, get people on your team, such as Eric and Eric. Uh, <laughs> that for you. By the way, he's not sponsoring this yeah. <laughs> conversation. So thanks once again for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Industry Thought Leader Podcast. Brought to you by Industry Thought Leader Academy. Stand out, be heard, influence. Want to stand out, be heard and become an influential voice in your industry? Access our free 5-day Money, Marketing and Mindset Boost Masterclass. Go to www.industrythoughtleaderacademy.com forward slash masterclass. That's industrythoughtleaderacademy.com forward slash masterclass. Oh, 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 oh,